Yo, what's up? How y'all doing? Y'all good? Yo, I'm excited. Y'all know I'm planting this church in Monrovia in January, and uh, guess when the baby's due? January. Daddy's got really good timing. Um, So I'm doing my part to grow the church, you know, one baby at a time. So uh, just pray for us when you think about us and this work that God has called us to do out in Monrovia and us uh, having this third baby. Really excited about it, but it's very possible that I may miss my first service. So uh, I'm going to have to call Mike and have him come preach for me for the first church. They'll be like, I thought the pastor was some big black guy. Like, it turns out it's a big white guy. That's just, that's just weird. Yeah. Book of Ephesians is where you can find me today. Book of Ephesians. Uh, I'm picking up in, in the series. Mike asked if I could come in and pick up right where y'all are in this Ephesians series. And I said, gladly. But here's the disclaimer, though. If this message doesn't go well, it's totally Mike's fault because I didn't pick it. All right? So Ephesians chapter 2. We'll begin reading at verse 11 and conclude reading at verse 22. Ephesians chapter 2. Begin reading at verse 11, conclude at verse 22. Hear these words of our Father. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, uh, which is done in the body by hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now Christ Jesus, who you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, hostility, Uh, By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And this is our Father's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to stand before these, your people. Uh, I pray that as we uplift these ancient words, that these ancient words through fresh ears and fresh eyes, will bring new revelation to our, to our hearts and minds, will bring new life. Uh, ultimately, God, we pray that no one in this place would leave the same way that they came, but be transformed by the power of this, your word. It is to that end that I pray, Lord, that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, uh, all those things that you would have me say, know, and do. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh, Lord, you are my strength, you are my redeemer. Have your way in this place. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Charles Schultz, famous cartoonist, was made popular, uh, made famous uh, by his uh, very popular comic strip called Peanuts. Anybody remember the Peanuts? Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Linus, and then you have my girl Lucy, uh, Lucy, who, who had the phenomenal wardrobe of that blue dress and those white cats. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Well, th- this particular sketch, one of his most famous ones, um, uh, Lucy comes in and finds Linus there watching uh, TV, flipping on the remote. Uh, Lucy comes in, grabs the remote out of his hand, sits down, and starts changing the channel. Linus stands up and comes against this by saying, Lucy, who do you think you are? How dare you come in here and take the remote out of my hands? What gives you the right just to come in here and just snatch this remote out of my hands? Who do you think you are, Lucy? What gives you the right? She says, you want to know what gives me the right? You see this? These are five individual fingers. But oh, when they come together, they create a formidable foe. And that, Linus, is what gives me the right. She sits down, keeps watching TV. Linus, with his bowed down head, walks outside, looks at his hands, and gives them a challenge. He says, now why can't y'all come together like that? (laughs) In the book of Ephesians, Paul is speaking to individuals, uh, these Jews and these Gentiles who've come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but they're still living as individuals. He issues them a challenge and he says, y'all need to come together like that. You're no longer individuals, but you need to come together because when we come together as individuals, we create one unit, which is called the body of Christ, which is a formidable foe that comes against the darkness of this world and advances the kingdom of God. So when we as believers come together as the body, we do damage, we build the kingdom and we make a difference in this world. We need to come together. And he's telling the body of Christ to come together, Jew and Gentile. Because when we come together, we are his, uh, 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 Mike talked about it last week in, in, in verse 10, we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. The Greek word is uh, poeme. Uh, poeme, we are his poem. It's where we get the word poem from. We tell the story of who God is. People should see our lives both individually and corporately as the body and see the greatness and the glory of God because we are his masterpiece. We show the world who he is. We are his poem and we should tell the story with our lives of who our God is. There's this corporate message And there's this message to individuals that's calling them to come together. This morning, as I preach, there will be a corporate message that I'm speaking to the church, to Mariner's Church, Mission Viejo. I'm speaking a message to the church, so I need you to have your ears and to listen as a corporate body. But I'm also speaking to you as individuals. Uh, I I want you to begin to think about your own life because the church is made up of individuals and the church can only be the church when the individuals have been transformed by the power of the gospel. So as I preach, I need you to flip the pages of your own life and allow this word to work through your life and find, are there any glitches? In my life, are there any glitches that would hinder me from enhancing the body that would hinder the body from enhancing and advancing the kingdom of God? Does that make sense? 
So, so I pray that you would put on your corporate ears as a church body and your individual ears so that you can ask the Holy Spirit, look into my life. Show me the areas where I need to surrender and submit so that I might be a strong part of this body. Our life, corporately and individually, should speak to the greatness of God. It's, it's the masterpiece, the workmanship of God, the poem, uh, the, the, the poem of God. And our life should tell of his redemption, of his unity, and of his glory. Paul says, what should this poem look like? Verses 11 through 22, he says it should look like it should tell the story of his redemption, his unity, and his glory. Verse 11. He's speaking specifically now to the Gentiles. After, after verses 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, he said, it's all by grace. You, you couldn't do nothing to warrant the grace of God in your life. You couldn't do nothing to, to deserve the glory of God in your life. You don't deserve to be saved. You couldn't do nothing to earn the right to be saved. It's all by God's grace that you are saved. Now he takes the finger and he points it to the Gentiles and says, you Gentiles, you had no hope. You were without Christ. You weren't a citizen of the family of God. You weren't in relationship with, with, the, with the children of Israel. You were foreigners. You were aliens to the promise. Because we, we, we know the children of Israel, they had this covenant. They had a promise by God that God would use the generations of the children of Israel to tell the world the story of who their God is. And we know that they fall short of that promise, but at least they had the promise. Gentiles, you don't even have the promise. You didn't even have the covenant. You were without hope. I love it the way Paul says, you were afar off. You are far off. Oh, but the blood of God, the blood of Jesus Christ reached you. It, 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 it stretched out towards you and it pulled you near in spite of the fact that you were dead, in spite of the fact that you had no hope. The blood of Jesus Christ found you and brought you near. And now here you sit in the family and the body of Jesus Christ. Your life should tell the story of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Your life should tell the story of his redemption. The fact that he saves people who are far off. Never forget Young Claudia, walking up Lake Avenue, Saturday night service, our chapel opens up to the street. And if you're walking on the street, you can hear the music. And on that particular night, this young girl who had just moved from Germany, who was seeking to be a lawyer in her life, had done everything right, had her life all mapped out, had everything all put together. She was walking by the church one night and all of a sudden heard the music. So she decided to come in and sit down. And while she was sitting down, she began to hear the gospel story of who Jesus Christ was. And, he, and, and then the tears became, began to stream down her face. And on that night, she made a commitment to Jesus Christ and it transformed her life. Little did we know that she had tried to pass the bar twice and she had just found out that she had failed the second time on the verge of giving up on the verge of throwing in the towel, looking back at her life and thinking, I've done everything right, I've followed all the rules, but I hadn't met Jesus yet. So instead of giving up that night, instead of throwing in the towel, she said, I will experience the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and I will give him my life. And although I've been afar off from him, tonight his blood has brought me near. Linda, a 60-year-old drug dealer in Oakland, California, all her life had been dealing drugs, selling drugs, and doing drugs. She was so paranoid and lived in such fear that there were many nights where she had to sleep literally with a sawed-off shotgun. She had stashes of money put away in the floorboards and in the walls. 
One day, uh, my friend who's a pastor on her street, Pastor Ricky Jenkins, there was a shooting on their street and they were sitting outside and he found himself standing next to Linda. And they began to talk and begin to tell and he noticed that Linda, Linda's face, her, her lips were all discolored from the smoking that she had done all her life. Cracks on her face, no way she should have been 60 years old, aged drastically by the sin in her life. Looking at her life could just tell life had been hard on her. Hearing her story, he saw why she looked like that. That's why he was amazed. Some two, three months later, he's sitting in the pulpit of his church and in comes this 60-year-old drug dealer. She sits in and a few Sundays she sits and she hears the story of the gospel. She sits and he'll never forget the day. He says, I'll never forget the day that I saw Linda standing up with her hands lifted up. And out of those lips that had been discolored by cocaine addiction, by crack, and by, by smoking marijuana, those lips professed Jesus Christ. And the tears went streaming down her cracked face. Tears came streaming down and she surrendered to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And here, this 60-year-old crack dealer, her life no longer told the story of life on the street. Her life no longer told the story of living in paranoia. Her life now told the story of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ that from the utmost to the guttermost, Jesus Christ saves. Her life told of the redeeming work of a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll never forget it, January 23rd, 1994. Sitting on the back row of Sweet Rest Church of Christ Holiness USA in Pearl, Mississippi at 6 o'clock p.m. on a Sunday evening service. I was sitting there knowing that that would be the night that I would have to make the decision. Because as I hit rewind the year before, I had flunked out of school. Started smoking marijuana, living a life of fornication and partying, being, being the life of the party. And knowing that that night, particularly wrestling with the fact that I now have to tell my mother, no, you won't be sending out graduation invitations. No, we won't be having a graduation party because your son, who you raised in church, who you raised up in a godly fashion, had flunked completely out of school. I'd started living these two lives. I was this young boy that mama had raised up, daddy had invested in, and that everybody looked to to be this, this great young man that was godly and upright. And then I had also lived, created this life where I was the life of the party, but an utter failure. I had extreme insecurity, so if I had to go way out to impress somebody, I would. I became a people pleaser, and whatever people wanted me to do, I would do, and I had this dual life. And this particular night, Sunday night at Sweet Rest Church, those lives were forced to do business with God. The night I really don't know what the preacher said because the spirit of the Lord was speaking to me so loudly throughout the whole time. And at my church, at the end of the message, they would give an altar call where they would give you an opportunity to literally come down the steps and to give your life to Jesus Christ. So I decided tonight is my night. No longer can I live this double life. I'm sick of it. I can't do it anymore. I know that there's a better way for me to live. God, I want to live for you. But here's the deal. This ain't going to be no big emotional deal. I'm going to go up here, give my life to you real quick, and then we're going to head to the house and have some chips or something. We not, this ain't going to be no big deal. This is, a, this is a spiritual transaction. I give you my life. You give me redemption. I'm going to the house. Cool. No big deal. This warrants no Facebook status, no updates, no Twitter, or nothing. This is just quick and easy. So at my church, I was sitting on the back row, and I began to walk. And the closer I began to get to the front, people began to see me. And as they saw me, they began to start clapping. Well, the closer I got to the front, the louder the applause. 
people were excited because they saw me giving my life to Jesus Christ. And I'd still made up in my mind, yeah, they clapping, but this ain't going to be, they're going to be, this, this ain't going to be nothing. This is just going to be quick little transaction. And y'all, when I got to the last pew of the church, and when I stepped across and got up to the front, something happened to me. It was as if a weight was lifted off of me and I immediately collapsed into the arms of the pastor. And there for the next 10 minutes, I cried like a little baby. The tears came streaming down and I sensed that those tears were just washing away those stained places in my life, washing away all of the people pleasing, washing away all of the guilt, all of the shame that came from my failure. And that night, the blood of Jesus Christ brought me into the family of God. And no longer did my life tell the story of a high school dropout, of someone who had extreme insecurities, of a fornicator. But from then on, my life began to tell the story of this Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, sacrificed his life, bled and died and was born and was raised again for my sake, for a sake, for a failure, for a sinner, for a wretch like me. My life told the story of a redeeming God, regardless of how bad you messed up, how far you strayed I don't care how far off you are his love reaches you and pulls you into the family of God all by grace and none by your work my life told the redemptive story of God what is your life telling what's, what's the story that your life is telling is it telling of, a, of someone who works really hard and does everything right is it telling of someone who's gotten lucky? Is it telling of someone who's a failure, who has insecurities? Our life, corporately and individually, should tell the storms, should tell the story, should tell, should tell of the greatness of the glory of God and his redeeming work and how he transforms lives. Our poem should tell of his redemption. Secondly, it should tell of our unity. Uh, there's this undertone in this text. In the book of Ephesians, there's this undertone because there's this tension that's there throughout the whole time. And you need to understand that Paul is writing to people who didn't like each other. He, he's writing to people who didn't want to be with each other. He's writing to people who didn't want to experience life with one another. He's writing to people who have this encounter with Jesus Christ and they've been transformed by him and they're in the family of God, but not wanting to be in the family with them. So they're like being in the family of God means I got to be in the family with them. It, it, it means they're in too. I, I got to do like I got to worship with them. No, 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 no. God, me and you are good. We can stay together. I don't want to have no parts of them. <laughs> Paul is saying, you don't have a choice. We are in this together. How you see God changes how you see one another. And we are in this family together. But we got different cultures. We got different ways of living. We got different standards. We vote differently. We do all kinds of things different. He says, I don't care. You're in this family together. We're going to figure it out. When we sing these kind of songs, we're going to sing. That's why later on, Paul says, we're going to sing hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. We're going to sing everything. And eventually, one Sunday, we might get something that you like. <laughs> we are in this family together. He says, because the wall of hostility has come down. There was a wall uh, in Herod's temple that literally was erected to block out the foreigners, to block out those non-Jewish believers, those people who, 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 who were Gentiles, those foreigners that were left out in the wall. There was an inscription on the wall. The wall said to foreigners, enter in past this wall at the expense of your own life. 
if you come past this wall, you will die. Paul says that wall has been destroyed. And now we are in one family together. I know we don't belong together. We don't belong in the same room. Albert, what are you doing in this room? Albert, what are you doing here? Look around. What do you have in common with these people? I mean, I like y'all and everything, but we ain't going hiking together. (laughs) The gospel of Jesus Christ brings people who don't live life the same way, who don't do things the same way. It brings us together. Remember when I first came to Lake Avenue Church there in Pasadena, uh, moving from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, um, my, the staff that I was a part of, we went away for our first retreat, and there was four of us on staff. And, 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 and one of the guys, his name was Jesse. Jesse. Jesse was like this punk rocker, wannabe, could be, but not be. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, he, he, his hair was like, was like a, a flock of seagulls. It was just this weird thing going on. He, it's, it kind of, and it had like a blonde piece to it, this burgundy piece to it, and a brown piece to it. You know what I mean? Jesse had two lip rings in his lip and a, and a ring up here in his eyebrow somewhere. And Jesse dressed how his hair looked. Um, <laughs> And, and I don't know, I, I can't say, but I could have sworn he had on eyeliner. I don't know. I don't know. I would look and I look away. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know. You know, so he, you know, so you had, you had Jesse and then, and then you had um, um, uh, Sabelle, this Sabelle and Sabelle was a sweet girl, uh, beautiful, but she, it was interesting because she like would say like, like 77 times like in the same, like two sentences, like it was like she was addicted to Facebook, like because she liked everything, like everything happened. And she always talked like with this melody, like, and she would always be like excited. Right. And she would knock her head and talk like that. And it was so crazy. Like what? Like she really liked like, and it was like really weird. Like, like, like. That was Sabelle, beautiful girl, but she liked, like, like a lot, like. And then you had a guy named Jeff Madison, who was like this big white dude. I mean, just imagine the whitest guy you know times 10. Well, it's like Mike. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, just like that, you know? So you had him. So, and then you got me in the mix. So we're all sitting there, y'all, and we're, we're sitting at Cheesecake Factory, and we're sitting down, and our waitress comes up, and you could see she was thinking it, and, and she said, but you know how you say something? You was like, I'm, I, was, I, I meant to say that inside my head, but not outside, you know what I mean? But it came out. She looked at us, she said, what are y'all doing together? Because she was looking like, there's no reason why y'all should be together. I can't think of anything that would bring y'all together like this, you know? What a powerful opportunity for us to be able to look at her and say, the gospel of Jesus Christ broken down the walls that would divide us and we are in this room together that's what paul is saying to the church of ephesus we come together the wall of hostility is torn down and god brings us in this family together even with people that we don't like maybe even people who've done us wrong enemies we love our enemies as well story of nelson mandela after the apartheid, he set up what they call truth and reconciliation courts. Uh, and these courts were designed uh, to allow those that had uh, done crimes during the apartheid to come and to confess publicly, recognizing that if they would confess publicly, uh, then there would be no judgment on them. But they would have to confess publicly. 
Well, the courtroom was filled, much like the room is today. And there was a silence as this police officer would tell the story of him going to this woman's home, pulling her husband out of the house, pouring gasoline on him, and burning him to death while forcing his family to watch. The police officer would go on to say some few months later, he would go back to that same house and pull that woman's only son out of the house, pour gasoline on him, and forced her to watch him burn to death. The courtroom sat in silence. The judge looks at the mother and the wife of these two men. He says, ma'am, what would you have me do? She looks up, she looks at the police officer and says, dear sir, I have no family, yet I still have a lot of love to give. Would you come and sit with me every Sunday evening? Allow me to cook a meal and to love on you because I still have a lot of love to give. There wasn't a dry eye in the room as everyone was astonished by this woman's request. And in the silence, someone broke it by singing from the back corner these words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Because this woman had saw God and the grace of God in her life. And when you see God in this grace that he's given you, it changes how we see our brothers and sisters. That's why Paul is screaming. He's saying, you were dead. You should have been dead. You had no hope. Now, how dare you come and pick and choose who's in or who's out? You should have been dead. You don't deserve to be here. But by the grace of God, the blood of Jesus Christ has pulled you out of death, out of sin, and pulled you into this marvelous life. How dare you not extend the same grace that has been so freely given to you, to your brother and to your sister? The wall of hostility has been torn down and how we see Jesus changes how we see one another. Our life is a poem. It's the masterpiece. It's the workmanship of God and it should point. It should show the world our unity. How is it that they can love people like that? How is it they can care for people? The emperor Julian in the first church, he says, these Christians, these Christians, not only do they love their own poor, but they love ours as well. They should hear, they should see the redemption of God and the unity of God. Finally, Paul says, you are the household of God. You rest on the foundation built by the apostles and the prophets. And Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. It is the, it is the point, this is the center of the point where everything is aligned. Everything should be aligned on Jesus Christ. And when you align your lives according to the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, we create this temple, this body where the spirit of the living God dwells and the world will see his glory in the temple made up of individuals centered on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Do you see that? Let, let, let me help you. Let me, let me get a little help. You two, would y'all come here and just align the stage right there? Uh, you two, would y'all come and just stand right beside them up to the front? You guys right here? 
this whole four, all four of you, would y'all just align the front of the stage right here? Tim, would y'all would y'all come and align the front of the stage right here? You two, would y'all come and just stand right here as well? And you guys, would y'all just come stand right here in the center? Get that real quick. Right there, up there. You guys stand up on the top row, right there, as much as you can. Scoot all the way down. There you go. There you go. And come, come down. Just y'all come scoot down a little bit. Come down, scoot up just a little bit. Because I know they got some equipment up there, but kind of stand up there because it's visually beautiful when that happens that way. Uh, so get up there as much as you can. Go ahead, go ahead. Just kick that guitar stuff around. He's not coming back. Yeah, there you go. All right. There you go. Yeah, and then just stand and face, face outward right there. And y'all come straight to the edge. Come straight to the edge there. There you go. There you go. So, so the idea is that Jesus Christ is the center point, And everything else is centered on him. And the world would see uh, these people who are centered on Jesus Christ and made up in this body are people who don't go together. People, people who don't mix. People who, should be, should, who shouldn't be together. Here you got this guy who looks like an accountant that just came from Florida on vacation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's all tan. Good job. Heard the, heard the black guy was preaching today. He was like, I'm getting in on some of that. There you go. All right. There you go. That's good. That's good. And then you got Tim, this guy who was like a therapist who's way overdue for vacation. You know what I mean? That's important. In. And then you got this guy. How old are you, man? He's nine years old. He should be somewhere on PlayStation. You know what I mean? What is he doing here? You know what I mean? And you got this guy who should be somewhere on PlayStation as well, looks like. Uh, looks like that's just what he does. You know, so it's just, you got all of these people who just don't go together. And then you got different classes. Like, everybody, how much money do y'all make a year? I, I was just, just, just checking, just checking. But I'm sure if, if we were to find out, I'm sure it's different classes, different sections of life. People vote for. Who did y'all vote for in the last election? Uh, people who probably vote differently, uh, but this, uh, maybe not. Um, you know, but you know, but people, people who probably should have voted differently. You know what I mean? We we make up we make up different. And y'all clapping, y'all. You don't know what you clapping to. You know what I mean? Yeah, we should have voted different from what? Which one? I don't know. But you got all these people that don't go together. But when when the world sees us come together, centered in on Jesus Christ, they say, Wow. It points to the glory of God. It's like Verizon, that network. Wherever you go, this body goes with you. Everybody go to the left. We all move together as this network of God. Everybody go to the right. We all go together and we're centered in together as this body of Christ. If you want to see the great glory of Michael Jordan, where do you go? You go to the United Center out in Chicago. You want to see the glory of Kobe Bryant, where do you go? You go to the Staples Center. You want to see the glory of Whitney Houston, where do you go? You go way back before Bobby Brown. Go way back before every little step. No, go back, go back, go back. You go back to the bodyguard soundtrack, you know. And I will always love you. You know what I mean? That's where you go, you know. See the greatness of Whitney Houston. Friends, if you want to see the greatness of God, if you want to see the glory of God, Paul says, it's in the church. We are his greatest glory. And we are to show the world of his glory. And when we come together and we center our lives on the capstone of Jesus Christ, they say his presence dwells and the world will see that the Lord is alive and at work through the lives and the body of Jesus Christ. We are his greatest glory. Amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Can we pray together? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Just for a few moments. Let's pray together. 
you've come to this place today and you say, Albert, when I, when I hear you talking about the Gentiles and how they're afar off, I can't help but think about my life. Because Albert, if I was to be honest with you here in this, in this church gathering, if I was to be honest with you, I'd have to confess that I'm afar off. And Albert, there are times when I feel like I have no hope. There are times when I, when I know what it's like. I know what it was like for you that night, January 23rd, 1994, because you felt like you had two lives. And Albert, I feel like I have two lives. I feel like I'm afar off from God. But today I want the blood of Jesus Christ to bring me near. I want to allow that redemptive work that you talked about, that transformation. I want that to be me in my life. Today I want to make that commitment. I want his redeeming work to show up in my life. If that's you in this room, I want to pray for you. I want to take time and just and pray, for, pray for those of you who feel that way in this room. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you are? Just stand up right where you are if that's you. I want that work in my life. If that's you, just stand up right where you are. Amen. 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 Just stand up right where you are. I need that transforming work in my life. I feel like I'm afar off. If that's you, just stand up right where you are. Stand up right where you are. If you're in this room and you say, Albert, I've got some walls of hostility in my life. And I hear you say that the walls are broken down, but in my life they're still very much real. And I need the grace of God to lead me through these walls of separation that I've allowed to be sustained in my life. If that's you and if you've got some walls of hostility in your life, knowing that the implications of this, the implications may be that after this service you may need to make a phone call. After this service you may need to set up a time to have coffee with someone. If that's you and if you've got some walls, would you just stand up right where you are? I've got some walls, some places that I've allowed to be sustained that I need to walk in the work that God has already done. If that's you, just stand right where you are. Just stand up right where you are. I've got some walls. Finally, if you say, Albert, I've got some areas in my life where my life is not aligned with the chief cornerstone. The, the areas in my life that are far way off the tracks from where God wants me to be. I've got some areas, my relationships, my finances, Seems like my job is the chief cornerstone and not the savior of this world. Seems like my stress level is the chief cornerstone. I'm aligning myself with what, what, what people think and what people desire. If that's you, you say the alignment in my life is off and I want a realignment today to the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. If that's you, just stand right where you are. Stand right where you are. Stand right where you are. I need to realign. I need to realign. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for doing a work in this place. God, I thank you for those that say, I need to be reminded of the love of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, and I want to be brought near because right now I'm afar off. Would you bring us near today? Would you give us the wisdom and the courage? Lead us by your spirit to navigate these places of separation where the walls have been destroyed, but I still live as if they're there. Lead me. May I be reminded of the grace that's been extended to me 
so that I may extend that grace to my brother and to my sister. Help me to walk by grace. God, help me to realign my life to you and only you. No longer following other things, no longer aligned by other things, but may I only align myself with your word, your plans, your purpose for my life. Father, I thank you for the grace that found us and how you take nothing, you take dust and you make beautiful things with them. God, I thank you for taking our lives and allowing that redemptive work to show forth in our lives and and forcing us not only to see you in a new way, but to see one another in a new way. And no longer do we walk in isolation, but we walk in unity, redeemed of the blood of the Lamb, and we align our lives with your word, with your purpose, with your person, with your power. And may our lives be a poem, be a workmanship, be a masterpiece to the world. Look at my life, look at our body, look at our church, and see the redemptive, unifying power power of God's glory alive and active in our lives. May we be your poem which tell the stories of how you make everything new. You take the loss, you take the blind, and you give us sight. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace in this new humanity. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.